Welcome to The Wiretap, episode 13. Today is May 15th, 2017, and I'd like to welcome my guest, Mike Renaga. Hey, man. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming on to the show, man. I nope. really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> it's exciting. Well, yeah. Um, I, we were talking about this for a while, getting you on, and <laughs> the, I, I wanted to get Michael on because, okay, so first off, we've known each other a long time. We used to, We met at church. And we did retreats and we, we stayed friends, but we all have those friends on our Facebook feed that's trying to stir the pot just a little bit. Some, some friends that are maybe a little bit more right wingers. <clears throat> and I, I always enjoyed having these spirited debates on your uh, Facebook posts <laughs> because I, I think it started. And that's that's when I got this, this idea. Like, Mike's pretty right. He's pretty conservative. When it was 2008, I think that was like er, when I first got on Facebook, and you had some posts about Obama, and just like he, because Obama was riding this wave of like this fantasy like like candidate, right? And you weren't buying any of it. No, no, no absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> and uh and yeah we we were just re recovering from uh from bush and <clears throat> i think you you had a post that that had uh, obama's hope symbol but it said nope n o p e <laughs> and just kind of got under my skin because i i was like kind of wrapped up in the obama thing too like but and that wound up the candidate i voted for in 2008 wound up not being the person that that just left office 8 years later and in, in any case, Mike's one of those conservatives that doesn't make things resort to name calling. We always have these really good spirited debates, disagreements, but at the end of the day, when people go off the hinge, it's oh, er, everything's pretty stable. So he was like one of the first people I thought of when I said I need to get like the conservative voice on this podcast to talk about where things at, are at currently. And so, um, I guess my first question for you, Mike, is, is Trump living up to your expectations? Is, well, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> let's just start right in that. Um, you know, actually, real quick, I do want to point out that when you had first asked me on this podcast, we kind of talked about an idea of doing a liberal conservative viewpoints vis-a-vis yeah. -vis, like Hannity and- Hannity Combs, and, yeah. And then the next day- what happened? Yeah, yeah, Combs died, <laughs> <laughs> and so we're here to take it. Yeah, this this is the rebirth of Hannity Combs, but um, man, why why Hannity? Man, I, I I don't know what your opinion is on this guy. I really dislike Sean Hannity. I think that he's the biggest example of a shill that I can think of on the right side. He is definitely um, very boisterous about his opinions and. To the point where it's almost just disgusting arrogance. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say that some of the things he's saying isn't true or aren't valid, but it's you know I think like what you were alluding at when we when we have our discussions on Facebook or when we post something, there's a certain level of respect that needs to be given to people with opposing viewpoints. Yeah, and I feel I mean for the most part, and this is right and left. Mm -hmm. People make a name for themselves by being disrespectful or rude to people with disappointing or <clears throat> dissenting views. Yeah. And that's not what 
we as a country need to be doing. We need to be coming together and trying to find a middle ground. Now, there's some there's going to be some conservative principles that you know are just going to be mainstays, and there's going to be some liberal principles that are going to be mainstays, and there's going to be butting on heads. But for the most part, we can't move to move forward together if we aren't willing to listen to each other. And I know this has been a running topic on the show, mm-hmm. you know, the disappointment in these protests up in Berkeley for, you know, not letting a speaker come in like Milo or Ann Coulter. Yeah. And I mean, let's be, let's be honest, Ann Coulter is really too relevant these days, but no. it's still the respect factor I think that needs to be addressed. Freedom of speech and just having respect for that attribute of our country, which is a huge attribute. Now, at what point do we need to respect somebody like Richard Spencer or somebody who's espousing basically hate speech? You know, it's interesting. We saw the uh, that rally that I did was this past week or the week week before, and it was it was stupid. I mean, the White Nationalist Party. It's the the idea behind it is, or the, the idea behind the rally was the objection of removal of the uh, Confederate uh, Robert E. Lee, the statues from the park. Yeah. And I get I get that there is a bunch of Southern pride, and it has nothing really to do, or ideally has nothing to do with slavery or racism and just, you know, having, you know, your homegrown hero, um, misplaced hero, but homegrown nonetheless. Yeah. And respecting that part of your history. Does it jive with the way the history played out? No, because he was a loser. I mean, ultimately he lost, he was on the losing side. But if we start removing stuff like that, we become guilty of revisionist. Well, I mean, not really revisionist history, but we are kind of just trying to wipe away anything negative. And we don't, we can't appreciate what we have now if we don't understand where it came from. Maybe you can fill me in more about it because uh, this this is new to me. So they were protesting the Robert E. Lee statues going I, I believe on. It, it was either Robert E. Lee or uh, Stonewall Jackson. It was – they had a statue in a park. Stonewall and- Jackson was hardcore. I, I just sat through uh, a couple episodes of Ken Burns' Civil War. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it was a great series. <laughs> yeah. So that was awesome. Yeah. And so – yeah, this this Southern heritage. I, I think I had a cousin that, or, or a relative that posted the Confederate flag and said it's it's tradition, it's culture, not you know uh, racism, right? And but this guy grew up in West Covina, so it's like <laughs> what is this West Covina heritage? It was, it was South West Covina, South West Covina, right? <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Monica doesn't listen to this anyways, but she, she her old email was Dixie Monica because she was into the Dixie chicks. Okay. Right. And so I always tease her. I was like, so you know that if the only reference, if you say Dixie, you're talking about the old South, right? It's like, and I had this like Southern accent. Oh man. There's war of Southern aggression. <laughs> and I give her all kinds of crap for her old email, Dixie Monica. But, uh, no, I think that we're moving into like this new, this, Okay, so the response against uh, uh, of what's going on right now is it's progressivism has basically won the culture wars. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree to a certain extent? Yes, and that's I think I think that's sad. 
that's sad that the progressivism has won the culture wars. Well, that it it's won it in a way where it's now dictating what people can look at, what people can remember, and what people should. Well, I agree with maybe you know they shouldn't honor those people, but you do need to you do need to realize that they were there. You do realize that you need to realize that people fought and died for what they believed. Now, were they on the wrong side of history? Yeah, but they were on the on their side. They were fighting for what mattered to them. Now, no one's gonna say you know the South should have won, or well, maybe maybe no one will say that. Well, nowadays, <laughs> yeah, but I mean. Back then, you got to look at the way the country was divided. It's very similar to how it is right now. You had the North, which was definitely more industrial, definitely controlled a lot more of the wealth. And then you had the working class, which was the South. And the South felt that they were being treated unfairly by the North and were trying to capitalize on whatever they could to make ends meet. And unfortunately, that was resorting to slavery. Okay. So... I don't think anybody is trying to argue that we need to deny that there was a civil war, but couldn't you say that in Germany? Mm -hmm. Why can't I just display my Nazi flag? I mean, it's part of our history, and we were on the losing side. Couldn't that argument be made? I mean, I know this is not Germany, but right. <clears throat> but you're saying in this country. Go we, ahead and let's have some Confederate flags. We do have uh, free speech, last time I checked, and yeah. we do have – I mean, if someone can go out and say, hey, um, <clears throat> even though I'm white, I really identify as black, and we can applaud them and say, oh, you're so brave, you're so courageous. Rachel uh, – what's her name? Yeah. Zeke, to Zeke Law or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was wild. But it's just some, some, it's, some wacky I mean, it completely there. goes against – traditional beliefs i mean even scientific beliefs it, there's no history to show that that ever was the case it was just more of a feeling and yet we you know we as a culture are told that we need to accept that we need to you know realize that this is how that person feels but yet we tell an entire region you can't have any pride um for these particular items because they're they're deemed bad and again on the surface, absolutely. It's stupid. Why would you want to support a side that was on, you know, now on the wrong side of history? But at the same time, it's still your it's still your heritage. Well, I don't I don't know if I disagree with somebody displaying a Confederate flag on their F one fifty on their truck. Dodge Charter, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but if it's up in a federal building, nah. There's something deeply wrong with that. And I don't know if we need Robert E. Lee statues anymore. I, Yeah, probably. I mean, we we definitely don't need them. Yeah. I mean, do we really need statues of anyone anymore? I mean, we've got the internet. If you want to see what something looks like, you pull up a picture and it's usually on Wikipedia. I think that's a confusing – I mean, I, I guess if you're in the heart of Georgia, it's a different place than the liberal haven that we have here in, in the States. I actually want to get to something topical, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for um, it. Something wild happened. I was in the middle of a lesson, and <laughs> Chad texted me and said, Trump shared classified information with Russia. And I was like, okay, wait, is this the, the Comey investigation coming to light? But apparently, this was a week ago. I'm going to read through the first couple of paragraphs here. Okay. 
President Trump revealed highly classified information to the Russian foreign minister and ambassador in a White House meeting last week, according to current and former U.S. officials, who said Trump's disclosures jeopardize a critical source of intelligence on the Islamic State. The information the president relayed had been provided by a U.S. partner through an intelligence sharing arrangement considered so sensitive that details have been withheld from allies and tightly restricted even within the U.S. government, officials said. I'll stop right there. So, uh, reading through this and perusing it, it seems like he just went off script with Kislyak during that little meeting where <laughs> people were worried that, okay, there's the they're allowed to bring in all their camera equipment and gear. What's to stop them from wiretapping? Apparently, they didn't even have to. <laughs> he just went off script and said stuff he was not supposed to. In fact, in the article, they said, well, we can't even disclose everything that that is newsworthy. I, don't, I can't think of the last time anything like that happened where the press says, we're not going to cross this line as far as revealing exactly what was said. I mean, what's your impression of that, man? Basically, I don't know. I kind of see Trump just like as a as a bro. I mean, I could just see him in the office, in the Oval Office with the Prime Minister and, you know, be like, hey, you want to see my dad's old Playboys? Or, yeah, hey, yeah. you want to see uh, the NSA's top secret files? <laughs> uh, that's that's crazy, though. That's it, crazy. It that, is. That's because the thing that honestly, as a conservative, it scares me about Trump is that he's unpredictable and it is, it's kind of nerve wracking. I mean, I can only imagine how liberals are feeling, but from a conservative standpoint, we, as a general population, elected him to do something that was what we would classify normally as being impossible is to get above parties, get above political speeches and actually do things. And here he is actually doing things. And now we're like, ah, but what are you doing? I mean, we can unpack the story as it unfolds, but I think that's just a snippet because every single day, it seems there's something crazy going on with this administration. But um, sorry well, to jump know, again. He likes to keep it fresh, can keep it loose. Yeah, the, you he's never always, know. He's so always trying job. to make the ratings. He's <laughs> he's the highest rated president. You know, like there's no one even close. I I have the best. I have the best exposure. <laughs> so a year ago, when all this seemed almost unbelievable, say say let's take let's take it back to 2016. Okay, what were you thinking in the last election cycle? Because on my side of things, I was a Bernie supporter and disappointed that Clinton basically clinched it from the Dems. What were you thinking as a conservative on your side of things? Please don't be, please don't be Ted Cruz. Please don't be Ted Cruz. Please don't be Ted Cruz. Oh, that guy. But you know what? I'd honestly rather have Ted Cruz. You know what? I was actually really looking forward to hear more from John Kasich. And I mm -hmm. was really surprised and kind of glad that he he hung in there at the very end, yeah. um, even though he had no shot. But it really allowed us to listen to some of the things that he was saying. And he wasn't – I mean, he was, he was conservative, but he was more conservative when it came to matters on fiscal spending, military, government intervention. He wasn't one of those 
weird conservatives that, you know, conservatives look at and go, wow, you're way too conservative. He wasn't that guy. And he wasn't a, like a Rand Paul or a Ron Paul who were, you know, just, you know, the government says what it does and it doesn't do what it doesn't say. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it was, he was a nice balance between the options. Everywhere else in between, you know, the Christie's, the Bushes, um, Rubio, Marco Rubio, Rubio robot. You know, <laughs> Rubio is, Rubio is exactly the, the Obama version of the GOP. He is someone who is just, they were trying to breed him to be the next president. Yeah. And it's somehow his last name ends with a vowel. So he's, <laughs> he's going to get the Hispanic vote. There you go. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was, I was kind of, I was really shocked that he lost, that Rubio lost Florida. Um, wow. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, if you can't win anything else, yeah, uh, that Rubio robot malfunction where he just repeats his talking point and Christy points it out. That's my whole impression of when we got the candidates up there. Trump won because if you look at that entire line of people during, during the primaries, he was the only person that seemed like an authentic human being. Right. He was a miserable uh, I, I, I mean, he's despicable human being, but he was a human being. Everybody else was really well rehearsed, had talked to their advisors, had, had all their script kind of lined up. And he was the only one coming off the cuff saying that then that, that, that moment where he says, I, I paid a lot of the people on the stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you notice that he never talked about that again. Right. <laughs> right. And, and so I think that at that moment, he endeared himself to the population. Now, what got what happened after that got ugly. It got populist, it got it had too many signs of of nationalists. Was there anything appealing about that Trump's rise to you on your side of things? You know what after he secured the nomination, which was very early on, it um unofficially, I guess, it actually got darker for me. It was it was one of those things where I was actually watching what was going on with Bernie and Hillary. And I wanted to see Bernie come out over Hillary. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I'm not a fan of Hillary and I don't think that she would have been good, a good president for this country at this time. Now, um, I think the country was in a point where it needed some, it needed, a drastic change in a shakeup. Yeah. Bernie would have been great or Trump. Um, you know, and for say, unfortunately we ended up with Trump and now we're going to have to see where that goes. Now, Trump's talking points, his campaign promises throughout, throughout the year leading up to the election were very, were very general. And I know a lot of people give him flack. because like, Oh, he's racist because he wants to deport every, you know, all the Mexicans, or he uh, he wants to build a wall. But he, you know, but it's those things aren't. I never saw those as being definite things. I always believe that Trump, being the businessman, knows how to negotiate. That he is going to ask for something, you know, ten when he really wants a five. And he's going to ask for the 10. You're going to offer him a three. He's going to come down to a seven. You guys are going to meet at a five. So for me, the whole idea about a border wall and having Mexico pay for it was never something like, you know, I can't wait for that wall to be erected. It was more of, okay, let's see 
what he's going to be able to get to strengthen our southern borders. So I've heard this said that I'll just say my dad said that he never really believed he was going to build the wall. Right. He, he, like, and so people who were maybe even voted for him, I think a lot of them heard him say things and didn't really buy it. They were just like, okay, I'm just going to hit this button. Maybe it was appealing. Maybe Clinton was that bad a candidate that it was like, okay, Clinton is the status quo. Like that's just if we need change, a vote for Clinton is just going to kick the can down the road for that to happen. Trump is a wild card, and I think in 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 certain moments I was thinking, well, maybe this is just a big act, and he'll just get out of character and just be somewhat normal. Like maybe getting into the White House will cool him down. Been a hundred about one hundred and ten days, dude. It's not happening. Yeah, that's the thing that. Actually, it was kind of surprising to me because when he did the the initial meet and greet with President Obama after he won the election, he was very subdued. It wasn't his normal grandstanding and all that stuff. Um, and then he he gave his his inauguration speech, which I thought it was an interesting speech. It wasn't a I didn't think it was a bad speech. I thought it had a lot of tones for unification, which. I think any president needs to make sure that's definitely said that it's not one party versus another party. It's not one set of Americans versus another set of Americans that he's working together for all Americans. And every president will tell you this. Every president will have some kind of variation. I think that's what a speechwriter felt, but I don't know if that's what he believes. Well, I mean, (laughs) let's, let's be honest. I mean, Trump's the kind of guy, if he doesn't like the words, he's not going to say them. Whether, whether he, is paying someone to write a speech or not? If he doesn't like it, he's not going to say it. If he doesn't, uh, you know, at least believe in the idea behind it, he's not going to say it. Yeah. And what's happened so far, I think, has been a dumpster fire of a uh, administration. You know, it's been. I I can't think of anything in recent. And you, I, I look at Dan Rather, and he, and I don't think anybody. I think. If we had to go back to Andrew Jackson, I guess, <laughs> who's Trump's hero, apparently, to to think of a a more strange time going on right now, and I'm just like, how did how did this happen? You know. Well, the interesting thing to me is, how is he going to get anything done in his administration if he's constantly replacing people? And as a just not even a conservative, but just as an American citizen, that's that's concerning to me. But it's, in some ways, it's also kind of very liberating because you know that he is not going to tolerate mistakes or he's not going to tolerate other people's... No, he's he's not going to tolerate disloyalty. Well... Apparently. But it's disloyalty to the overall Trump train that's going on. I mean, let's face it, if he was... If he was to brush it under the rug like so many administrations do with their their staff, would we have anything to talk about? I mean, we, I mean, not not that it's necessarily a positive thing that we're talking about this stuff, but he's being a, at least very open about what's going on. I didn't feel like a need to uh, vent the frustrations. I mean, when Obama was president, did you really feel like 
outraged enough to start a podcast, for instance, <laughs> or, or or anything, or, or what what was what was your, your coping mechanisms? Because I, I think this is a completely different thing right now. Well, but when President Obama was president, it my outrages weren't with him, but more of his policies. Where I think a lot of people are more outraged at Donald Trump than they are at President Trump. Well, I think it's both, man. The policies suck too. The ACA repeal, replace, that's the only thing he's been trying to do so far. It failed the first time. Travel ban. Like again, let's, let's 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 talk policies here. Right, but again, even think- even the travel ban policy was a policy that President Obama's administration had put into and he just kept it going. It wasn't people getting stopped at the border. It wasn't getting pe- people getting held up. It wasn't professors from Muslim majority countries get getting stopped. I'm they were, certain, but there were very few incidents where that happened, and it was all cleared up. It, they like anything; it's going to have its hiccups. It was it was pulled off. It was pulled off a little bit too early. The justice, right. the Department of Justice, didn't even know what was going on. It was just mismanaged, dude. You you got you got to recognize. Oh that. no, absolutely. But I mean. That's my feeling about the Affordable Care Act is that when you have Nancy Pelosi telling people, you know, we have to pass it to know what's in it before anything gets done, that's that's horrible. That's horrible policy making right there. Yeah. And I I'm gonna be the first to say the Affordable Care Act had its flaws. Oh yeah. But people like knowing that if they break an arm, it's not gonna ruin their life. Well, no. but that's and that's where I feel that we're rushing to repeal it. Let's not repeal it when so many people who are now counting on it or who are relying on it um, are going to be really put at a disadvantage. So you're not a fan of the current conservative the GOP repeal replace? No, I want I American want, Health Care Act or whatever they're calling it. Right? Yeah, I would like to see a revised redo or. But thing is, they're going to go to battle to make sure that it's a Obamacare repeal because it's it's their field to die on, man. It's the thing that they've been wanting to do since the beginning. It's a matter of pride. And well, uh, you see these town halls right now, the outrages that are going oh, on. Oh, Nurse right Dad? Now. Yeah, Nurse Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, Nurse Dad was, was vicious, man. He didn't even let him talk. Yeah, <laughs> nurse my my feeling is Nurse Dad was a paid actor, but really, yeah. no, oh yeah, no man. Uh, okay, there's too many stories just like his. Okay, say he is a paid actor. Okay, it doesn't make anything he says less true. No, it doesn't make it less true. Except you know, when he's calling the senator out for you know, you did this to my wife, you're doing this to my kids. Okay, that's a little bit of of, of conjecture, but he actually that if you look at it, he did. He wrote part of the bill. He was he was responsible for letting it pass. Uh, the, the Senate right now, the 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 uh, conservative, the Republican majority Senate is just trying to get this done. No, like, I, as I, quickly as possible. I get that, and you know, one of the it's going off half cocked, and people are pissed about it. Well, but they should be. Yes, I I don't fault them for being pissed. Again, where I'm coming from, from a conservative standpoint. I thought the first the first one was definitely over the top and it shouldn't have been forced onto people because if people didn't want to have health care, then you don't find them for not wanting to have health care. Are you talking about Obamacare? Yes. When you say the first one. 
Okay. Or I guess the only one, really. Right yeah, now, the but. one that, that, that exists. I thought you were talking about the first attempt at repeal. Oh, and, uh, 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 and which which was which was terrible, and and this latest version is terrible. So yes, the thing is, how do you pay for it in other, in, in in any other way, right? And so yeah, I think Graham said that that he he wasn't into like if I don't buy into it, I have to pay. He's like that sucks, but that's socialized medicine, right? Well, and if it's such a good program, then. Why aren't the members of Congress on it? Why aren't Why aren't they using that one? Because it's a political thing. Well, or are, are you saying that why aren't the members of Congress? Because they can afford better health care. I'm fortunate; I can afford better health care than than o- Obamacare. But shouldn't wouldn't you want your constituents to have the same kind of health care options that you do? If you were a congressman or a senator, yeah, we. Uh, there are the men in the high tower, man. They're not going to. But isn't that the whole? Isn't that the whole idea of having this single payer socialized healthcare system? Is that everyone has equal access? If okay. you if you are putting if you are putting it down, let me put this way. You like music, right? Yeah. You like the Beatles, don't you? Apparently, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, I do. Okay. If you if you were to tell someone, hey. The Beatles is the greatest band on earth, ever was, ever will be. Beatles, top notch. Why don't you listen to the Monkees? <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like, okay, they're I guess they're kind of like the Beatles, but they're really not. But they've got music, and there's four of them, and they're disguised. Well, I guess you know what? Why would you? Why would you not want someone to experience what you experience? Okay, yeah. Okay. So you're saying that that what's being sold to people is an imitation of the real thing. Right, and they're trying to sell it off as this amazing thing. And it's not an amazing thing. When you look at um, insurance in general, health insurance is – it's a necessity. Yes, I mean, people are going to get sick. People, especially now, will develop different things, um, cancers, thyroid, you know, gallbladder – kidney stones, whatever. People are living long enough where these diseases are actually starting to make a real negative impact into their later years of life. And we want to treat that stuff. We want to diagnose it early, catch it early, treat it early, and get it all the way. And healthcare is a great way, a a decent healthcare plan is a great way to do that. But the cost of it is what's prohibiting so many Americans from getting it. It's crazy expensive. Right. So, what is it that really drives up the cost? Now we can say, oh, it's you know, big pharmaceutical. You know, they're jacking the prices up and stuff like that. But it's not just big pharmaceutical. I mean, it's doctors themselves. It's medical facilities, medical groups, all that stuff. I mean, you look at what it costs to go to school, become a doctor. It's crazy expensive. Why? If it's such a an important and noble position. Why aren't we making it more affordable so we can have more doctors, so we can have people who are actually able to take care of this stuff, so people don't have to go to emergency rooms. They can go to a local clinic where they can actually take care of people and make it affordable at a, a much smaller scale. When, you, when you're zeroing out you know, the economics of it, take away the cost factor. Take away you know, what it actually costs to get the education, what it actually costs to practice the medicine. 
take all that out. Can you replicate that? I think you can. And I think if you control it from the education to their actual practice, if you can reduce that cost, all the other health costs will come down because now you have a wider market. So you're saying it's greed. That's, the, well, it's capitalism. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's such a niche market that it's such a finite, you know, education that can get you to become a doctor. You can charge more for it. Yeah. So I, I'm, I think that Obamacare, it wasn't going to work unless the insurance companies were going to make a killing on it. Well, <clears throat> and that, I mean... President Trump basically took one of Marco Rubio's talking points and tried to, I don't know, down, not downplay it. But when Marco Rubio talked about removing the lines between the states to let carriers, you know, insure outside of their state. The way the insurance works is every state has its own department of insurance. And the department of insurance says whether or not a company can practice within the state of California, let's say. If Someone wants to come in outside the state of California and offer insurance. They're referred to as a non-admitted carrier. And you can still get insurance from them, but then it becomes more expensive. What Marco Rubio was originally talking about a year ago was he wanted to remove that so that you know, different insurance agencies can play in different states, thereby you know, spreading out that risk. You know, Will that bring costs down? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. You know. A lot of times we look at other countries like Denmark or Japan or um, what's the Canada other even Canada yeah. where socialized medicine works and it works mainly because these countries are very homogenous. Their family trees are pretty much bamboo sticks. They kind of just go up. They really don't branch. Yeah. So they're genetically the diseases um, hereditary diseases don't travel as far, but in the U.S., sounds a little nationalist, man. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's the arguments I'm hearing on Stefan Molyneux and like these these far right. Well, but I get what you mean, but it's yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I guess to some degree, if you wanted to take it to that extreme, yeah. But it's just the reality of the way that we live. We are a melting pot. We yeah. we're inviting people in. We, for the most part, we celebrate interracial marriages. We celebrate diversity we want that because that's what actually makes america a great place but when you see places like japan where you know it's you know you walk you walk down the street you're going to be the only round-eyed guy yeah, yeah. for two blocks before yeah, you see I'm someone six else. feet tall so yeah so, <laughs> so like you would see them before they would yeah yeah sure um but so okay so that's why some of the, the why healthcare works a little bit better in other countries is because we have a melting pot culture Right. The risk the risk is kind of centralized. It's the same you know what same you're issues are gonna be consistent throughout the population. Right. Yeah. Whereas with us we have this hereditary melting pot where it's just it's getting spread out. I mean, we're both from Hispanic origins. Yeah. We know that diabetes is a huge killer for yeah. um people from Hispanic backgrounds. And that's – it's something that's hereditary. It's not really – well, a lot of it's part of our diet. Well, type 2. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> type 2. That, you did it to yourself, dude. But 
Yeah. Okay. I never thought of it from that aspect. I like I like having an insurance expert in here. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not uh, an expert, but I play one on the radio. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about well <clears throat> the. What your opinion on Hillary Clinton is? Let's try to unpack that a little bit more. Because there's, I a, loved it when she played the piano on Saturday Night Live for that cold. That open. wasn't her. No, what? That wasn't her. No, no. Oh. <laughs> you you had posted about that. Was is was she when you when you went to the ballot box? You're uh, you see Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. <laughs> I know in your heart of hearts you could never bring yourself to to vote for Hillary Clinton. No, I could not. You could not do that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a few reasons why. Like, what, what, what is? I, I feel like part of it is is based in fact. Some of it is based on a complete hit job that's been going on since two thousand and twelve. Right. You know, so, what's your opinion of, of of her as a candidate? Was she lousy? Was she strong? What did she get wrong on the way there? At no point did I feel and. Being, you know, taking being a conservative out of it, at no point did I feel connected to her. Yeah. Now, Donald Trump. I mean, it's kind of hard to feel like I connected with Donald. Yeah, Trump. you know, me and Donald. <laughs> yeah, we, we both like grabbing things. You know what? He likes to grab. I like to grab. I like to grab. You know, yeah, cut from the same cloth. <laughs> no, but I mean, Hillary is. She is a born and bred politician. She has been grooming Status herself. Quo. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I it almost felt oh, I don't even say it almost felt. It felt like she had this idea that she deserved to be president. That got under my skin too. That it was her time. That, you know, America needed her to be the president. Yeah. Because she deserved. Yeah. And a lot of that came to bite her in the ass. I mean, yeah, she did win the popular vote, but God, the the whole strategy with and, and what what do you think about the Electoral College? Well, do you think it should be done away with at this point? No. I because just for that reason alone, she won the popular vote. Because she won the most votes of people who went out and voted. But when you look at the people who didn't vote and the people who voted against her, she lost. I mean, just looking at it from a numerical standpoint, she still lost. So California, New York, and what? A couple of the She needed to win some states. I mean, it was supposed to be a clinch, but she just didn't I mean uh, I don't know about you, but watching it on the election night, I was following was it uh four thirty eight? Or the five five thirty eight five thirty eight. You know, it's funny. I had the five thirty eight blog because I was so worried. Like like going through October, I just kept it up. Okay, she has ninety percent. Oh, she went down to eighty nine percent. Yeah, oh, no, that's that's worrying. Okay, ninety five percent. And to because they got the Obama election dead on four years ago. They had it on the nose. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this guy's clairvoyant apparently. So Nate Silver. Just, just reassure me, and I just, I just couldn't believe it. It, it got, I got lulled into the, to the, to the point. You know, I voted for Clinton. You know, because here's the thing, I think a lot of people felt the way you felt, that you didn't feel a connection with her. But the alternative was so terrible, you had to vote for the lesser of two evils. 
And I don't think that wins you presidencies. I don't think that that, that you, you, can ex, you can expect people to say, well, this is terrible. So I'm going to vote for not absolutely terrible. And you just you – you can't put all your eggs in that basket. Well, I think for the most part, this election across the board was a resounding no by the American people saying, we do not agree with the way our politicians have been running the government. We are going to put in an outsider and – See what happens. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's see. Let's, let's play with this experiment called democracy. Could you ever imagine that he would be so I – don't, I don't even know how to describe him anymore. You know, if – okay. This, this is one – I'll say this one thing. If we were talking like this in his third year, then I would say, you know what, America, we, you know, we tried, tried the wild card. We tried to do something different. And you know what? It just blew up in our face. But we're we're like what you said, like 110 days into his presidency. What do we expect? I mean, we but can't all win Nobel Peace Prize after executive order. You can chill your first month, man. But you, that's not what that's not what we elected him to do. He, we elected him to go into and just kind of shake things up, pretty drain much. the swamp. It doesn't seem like that's happening, though, it, man. Draining the swamp is definitely. Not, not happening. happening. If it's happening, it's happening very, very slowly. Like I, I was even listening to some conservative uh, podcasts talking about the uh, Rex Tillerson getting getting into. It's, it's just like, okay, dude, you, you voted for a complete Exxon shill. You know, you're, you're just trying to line it, and and of course, the wild card you get, like, say that you have a genie. Right, and you rub the lamp, and he comes out. Your wish is my command. It's like, okay, I hate the government. I just want an outsider, just anybody. It's like a Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone episode. Okay, <laughs> your okay, your wish is granted, and you forgot to to wish for the person to change things to be someone who is benevolent or has good nature or someone who who would be. And so you just get somebody who's just uh, whose only obsession is image and money and ratings. Well, and this this is what you get. You know, it's funny because I think you, you really hit on a good point. He is concerned about his image. But I think in the private sector, you can control your image by throwing money towards a charity or doing an event to raise money or awareness for something. Never else. did that. Well, I'm just saying, just in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But, you know, he can start a foundation or he can do the Trump Foundation. <laughs> wow. Sure, sure. But as a president, you can't do those things. You can't start foundations. You can't, you know, donate here or do this. You actually have to take action and your action has to come from policy. I don't think he knows how to. And maybe this is what a lot of people find appealing about him is that he doesn't know how to lead from his heart. He's just doing what he thinks is right up here in his head. Yeah. I don't know what's going on as far as his heart. Barack Obama. Um for all the things I, I didn't agree with on his presidency, he did lead a lot with his heart, and I admire him for that. It's in some ways it w- it made him a weaker president, but in a lot of ways it made him stronger because it endeared him to a lot more people than I think otherwise would have. Yeah. Um, Trump needs to find his balance, and 
we're still, we're not even a full year into the presidency. We're barely half a year into it. I think you're talking about how you and I would operate in that situation or how a normal person would in general. I don't think we're dealing with a normal person. I think we're dealing with a shell of a human being who somehow got in, in this position and has no idea how to handle it. That is, that could be true. That could be true. Yeah, you're you're like wait and see. Well, people said wait and see. Like I remember right when he was president elect, and people were writing. I I hope Obama does well. I hope because to hope that he fails. But then I, I started posting. I was like, okay, what do you think you're gonna get? You're gonna get mean tweets. You're gonna get bragging. You're gonna get put downs. And what did we get? I mean, it wasn't like he was going to completely shift policy. That's why I was I was freaking out for for a hot minute, saying, "Okay, this is not going to be good." But it it it's pretty much been unfolding just like that. I mean, I'm just the thing. Like I like the worst case scenario, of course, is nuclear war, right? But this guy will will put us at enormous risk just to protect his self image. I think I, I I don't think he he sees the world of geopolitical politics and being a true world leader from the at he's not giving it the reference he should and that's scary that's worrying yeah I could see that I could see how his actions so far doesn't put him in the best light as a world leader I mean if we were holding a a G twenty summit. I kind of these things is not like the other. I, I kind of <laughs> laugh in my in my head, like, oh yeah, he's got to go to that. He's got to represent. Do you ever think about like like you go to an airport and there's going to be his picture? Like, <laughs> like you can like well like they'll have like a library. He doesn't read. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's just be a library full of but, tweets. But, but uh, yeah, <laughs> the library of tweets. But oh, I'm sorry. Go 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 on. Right. No, yeah, I, and there is. You know, the critics will always say there's no on-the-job training to be president. You need yeah. to be ready from day one. Well, nobody's have, ready. Yeah, who's going to be ready day one? Nobody's ready, but you can be there's, open. There's going to be a learning curve. You 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 can learn, but I don't think he's willing to. I, I, I don't see him having the capacity to say, oh, I messed up. I should own that. Like that – I was telling you about this book, Extreme Ownership, mm -hmm. right? And it's about when you're a leader – when your team fails, it's not your team member's fault. It's your fault because you didn't inform them. It's taking extreme ownership of everything that happens in your life. And it's been really helpful for me. And I think about extreme ownership and I apply it to Donald Trump. He's the opposite. He's like extreme disownership. It's like I get all the praise and and if things go bad, I get none of the responsibility. It's not my fault. He's still talking about Hillary. <laughs> no one's talking about Hillary except for like us and him. I it's 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 I don't see it as a tenable thing. Now, let's talk about Russia, man. Okay. Why is the Russia investigation turning into a partisan issue? How could that be a partisan thing? You know, it 
the hard thing to understand about Russia being a partisan issue is why, with so much on the line, would we want to take party sides and say, well, it's our president, you know, we shouldn't be investigating him during this time, we should wait till afterwards or, or whatnot. But the idea with, with Russia is, I think in general, like we said in, you know, a few minutes ago, being a, a world leader means you have to be aware of what's going on. If our best chance at building or keeping a, a friendly relationship with Russia is, you know, us sharing classified information or us, you know, being friendly with Putin and giving him a heads up before we drop a bomb. We was it yesterday, two days ago, we had that scare up in the Northern Sea because some Russian jets buzzed a, a carrier. Mm-hmm. Do you think investigating Russia, and I, I don't have the answer to this, so this is a, a general question. It's not even rhetorical. Do you think investigating Russia and trying to find ways to implicate Russia is going to strengthen America or is it going to weaken America? Or sorry, not even strengthen America, but strengthen Russian American relations or weaken them to the point where not only is our relationship strained, but our ability to work together in the future for things, you know, with possibly coming up with North Korea puts it at risk. I hear what you just said, and I and I think about the Chancellor. Um, I think about Hitler, oh, and I think about appeasement. I always take it to, to the right. I think about I think about appeasement. I was like, listen, if Putin and Russia is a bad actor on the national scale, then they need to be held accountable. But what? Okay, how did? And this is a very, a very serious question that's going to come off snarky, but how did Russia really influence our election? How did Russia influence our election? The By shining idea, light on things that actually happened? I mean, it's not like they made events up. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they worked through WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. Allegedly. And, and well, let's, let's, let's talk about the Donna Brazil thing, right? Where – like I, I brought this issue up too, and what? In any case, to be a candidate in the pocket of a foreign government, okay? Because what's going to come to light, I think, is that Russia owes, like, like Trump owes Russia a lot of money. Like he's, they financed him for years. Is that the few exceptions in that memo? The few exceptions in that. Oh, which which one? Oh, they were uh, when they were investigating Trump's finances with Russia, and the lawyer, the lawyer, the lawyer. Uh, oh, the lawyer speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. The litigation speak has with, no with, has no financial interest in Russia, with except or with a few exceptions. With a few exceptions. <laughs> okay, that means that he has that he's he's in their pocket. That means he's going to make decisions from his the executive standpoint that are going to favor Russia. The sanctions that that Obama put in. Listen, I, I, I'm not for appeasement with the Russians. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not for that. And they've been meddling in elections across. They tried to do it in France, you know, bullet dodged. <clears throat> but I'm talking about the truth now. Firing Comey, 
Are you under any illusions that he fired Comey because he was doing a bad job? Because he was mean to Clinton? Yeah, because, you know, that was – he was so compassionate about it during the uh, the election, right? Um, The firing of Comey was definitely – I think it's all the the, the, the proof you need. I don't know if it's all the proof you need because firing Comey isn't going to take away the investigation aspect. The FBI is still, ideally, hopefully, still an independent agency outside of our branches of government. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he can appoint someone there, but the people are still honor bound to do the actual investigation. Yeah, but but what uh, maybe his strategy is to bring in, say, Chris Christie, someone who owes him something, someone who's going to be completely loyal to him and to have him replace the head of the FBI. I'm just throwing out a name. I know, but do you really think Christie owes any loyalty to Trump right now? Uh, no, I, I think he's trying to he's trying to get, get close. You know, I think the only reason he didn't make it to the cabinet was Kushner. You know that story, right? No. That, that okay. So as at when he was, uh, I think, God, what is it? Attorney General, right? Uh, in in New Jersey, he put Jared Kushner's dad in jail. Ah, I didn't know that story. Yeah, hmm. and so so it, it's a family thing now. Or say Giuliani. Okay. Like he would love to put Giuliani. Uh, uh, yeah. I Gi- mean, I know. Giuliani would be a hoot. <laughs> oh, okay. So you find him entertaining. I, I don't. I think he's just, he's just, he's creepy. He's weird. You don't think Giuliani, head of the FBI, would be just hilarious? I think it's, it's a weird nightmare scenario. I think. I, 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 so he's going to try to get somebody who's just going to drop the investigation. He's going to do whatever he can to drop the investigation. But I think he was it's, told it's, three times that he's not under investigation. and you know it it, it would be a shame if someone dropped some tapes i mean that's like okay i love how everyone's all up in arms like what do the quotes around tapes mean yeah well maybe he doesn't know what to say well it's digital media it doesn't sound as cool or it went over the 140 character limit i don't know i i think that the firing of comey is simply the just is it's it's a direct line to his own his pettiness. He's so petty. If you're, you're either with me or you're against me. No, he's definitely got that attitude. But I don't. I don't know. It's easy to say he fired him because he felt that he was impeding into an investigation that he shouldn't be impeding into. I mean, that's the easy thing to say. That would be the most obvious answer, right? But if that was the most obvious answer, would you do it at a time when it's in the forefront? I mean, that's just that's I, just. I, I think I think that he was he sees things as ratings. Well, people don't like Comey, right? The, the the liberals don't like Comey. So if I fire them, maybe they'll like they'll like it, <laughs> and and then, like everybody wins, right? And. Uh, and I, I I, I'm not a big fan though. of Comey either, but I, I'm a fan of somebody doing their job in this case. Well, were you a fan when he was doing his job and he, you know, he reopened the investigation into Clinton? Oh, no. Oh, well, that's doing his job. Okay, that didn't lead anywhere. No, but he was doing his job. It doesn't matter whether it led anywhere or not. He was doing his job. No, I'm not going to blame Comey for Clinton losing the election. That was just she one did. small – Yeah. Well, that was just one small piece of the bigger puzzle. The but, thing is, but it's but it's that whole mentality, though. 
why are we, you know, we get upset when someone is doing their job and it hurts us, but we love them when they're doing their job and it hurts our rival or it doesn't. That's just called being a human. You know, that's just, that's just called, that's just called like being so, so close to the issue. I want, I want all, everybody in government to be doing their job for the American people. I know everybody says that, but by paid interest, not by, not by corporations. And so with this Comey investigation, there's like, what did Huckabee Sanders say? She said that the, there were a lot of people in the FBI that didn't like Comey, that wasn't working, that didn't feel like he yeah, was doing they, a great job. They but said that's that he, completely they lost not, confidence in him. They lost confidence oh. in him. That was completely not true. It was because he was going to nail his ass to the wall. I mean, the Michael Flynn situation. Like, how naive do you have to be to think that there are no Russian ties going on right now? Pretty naive, I would say. Pretty naive. To, to say there are no Russian ties? Yeah, but oh, so your 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 point is how deep do they go and do they matter? Right. Do do they matter more than Trump just doing business deals in Russia? Let me ask you this. I'm not going to bring up Clinton, but if Obama was in that situation, if Obama had made deals with a foreign government and they were in communication during the election, wouldn't you want to nail his ass to the wall? But what are the deals, though? See, everyone's talking about these hyp- hypothetical dealings that are going on, but no one knows what they are. Exactly. We don't even know. We we, don't, he's not releasing his taxes. We don't even know if there are any deals. So we, know, we want to find out. Right. He won't release his taxes, which is troubling. Right? Because is it? It is. Okay. Because it's a break in tradition. Okay, so you're saying so I'm what? Just, I just I I don't I mean a break in tradition. Okay, we we elected someone who is the break in tradition, and we're surprised that he's not going to follow tradition. I mean, come on. Okay, so you don't so you you don't care about people's business dealings when when you when you when you vote for them. I do care about their business dealings, but if if I don't, I only care about what I know. I don't care about what I don't know. Does that make sense? You don't care about what you don't know. If I don't know it, if I know, there's a lot. If right I don't now, know, we don't know right. about Donald Trump, and what we're trying to do as as American people is find out what that information is. But that information should have been we should have been finding out that information from the day he said he wanted to be president. Why are we doing it now that he's elected? <clears throat> Let me. Okay. If we were, if we were. Regular people, like we are, yeah. you know, and we Some had a job, yeah. 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 And you, you fill out the application for your job. You got hired to do the job, and it wasn't till after you started your job, your boss started doing reference checks. But you, can you just do your job now? I mean, you already gave me the job. I'm already collecting my salary. Let me just do my job. Fine. Then you allow the investigation to go on. Correct. If you have nothing to hide. You just allow you. You don't fire the head of the FBI. If you're innocent, Mike, do you hire the guy? Do you, do you fire the guy who's investigating you, the the head guy? If you're innocent, if I'm innocent, sure. Why not? I've got nothing to lose. If I'm innocent, wouldn't you just allow the investigation to take place so you could clear your name? 
if I didn't think the guy was doing a good job, I would still fire him, even if I'm innocent. You don't see this as obstruction of justice. No, because he's not disbanding the FBI. He's not not allowing an investigation to continue. The inve- if the investigation continues, it'll continue. But I, what people are getting kind of hung up about is that they think policy or anything rests on just one person. Our system of government is designed where it is bigger than one person. The presidency is bigger than one person. I, if Hillary Clinton was elected, it would be an annoying ride for four years, and I would probably hate every other minute of it. But I know that it's not a infinite term. It is a very finite term. And if the people say enough is enough, after four years, that's it. Or if there was enough corruption in her background where people were able to unearth all that corruption and get her out before four years, then it'll happen. But I think I think we assume that the president has too much power to control his own destiny, which I don't think is true. If there are if the president has these I don't know, dark secrets, let's say, the president has plenty of enemies who will go and do the digging for us and bring stuff to light. I'm not too concerned about one person getting fired who might be heading up that investigation. I don't see it. I honestly don't see. And maybe I think it's non, non, a non-issue. I do. In the long run. I think in the long run, it's going to be a non-issue because even if he, Donald Trump puts a, a friendlier director into the FBI scene, the FBI still has as a whole, has no loyalty to any one president. Okay. And I, and I yeah. honestly believe that. And so maybe I'm naive and I still believe in America's core values, but I do believe that our system of government is bigger than one person and definitely bigger than two parties. So, yeah. What I, I had, I had something on my mind. My God, I forgot it. <laughs> so, Okay, this is what I want to talk about. Do you what do you think is more likely? Okay. Impeachment in the near future due to business misdealings. I'm ta- talking about by the end of this year. Impeachment by a 2018 takeover of a of the Senate and the House flipping in 2018. Or he rides out all 4 years. Okay, well, impeachment would require him to actually break break the law. No, they can impeach him for dog walk, for for jaywalking. It's whatever well, it's breaking the law. Yes, yes, it's whatever Congress deems. Uh, you remember Clinton, right? Impeached but never removed. Yeah, he was never removed, but he the, it it was going down that that route. I I see him writing out. Four years. You see him riding out four years. Mm-hmm. Do you see him getting reelected? No, I don't see him getting reelected. Unless, some, well, again, we're only a hundred and something days into his presidency. Things could flip around. 
I mean, <laughs> like, like, g- g- give me, give me the 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 uh, good Donald Trump. <laughs> we just made this face at each other. Like, okay, come on, <laughs> give me a scenario where he's just like, you know what? I really, I, I had a talk to, with Melania, and I think I'm going to do a lot of good for the people. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I I just don't see it. I just see more disasters. Like I said, I think it's a dumpster fire. So I I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually starting to settle in with the notion that this could possibly be a, a four years, four years of this. And we're, we're just through just a little chunk of that first year. Uh, but I actually see if if we don't find out collusion with Russia in the near future and some sort of forceful re- removal, I think I definitely see the Senate and the House flipping in 2018. Do you see the town halls going on right now? I do, but we saw the same town halls four years ago, two years ago. It's always, I mean... Everyone always highlights the angry, dissented, you know, constituent. I see a lot of angry people. I see a lot of marches, man. I see a lot of people upset. But that's just it, though. They're just marches. Not just marches. I think there's a whole narrative going on. I think there's a whole change. Like I said, the Bill O'Reilly firing has a lot to do with the women's march. I think people are just sick of the misogyny, man. I don't don't think it has anything to do with the march. Really? I I think... Well, I I just think it's good policy to get rid of people like that. Uh-huh. I mean, I've I've got no problem with uh, Bill O'Reilly being gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, he definitely deserved it. But no, I think that 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 at the end of the day, because Trump was elected, the American people still have a voice. They do, and you can only be a shill for a corporation if you're if you're a representative for so long until you have to. To be held accountable to your electorate, to the people who vote who vote for you. Well, but look at after when the Affordable Care Act was passed, there was a lot of people who were upset that they were required to buy health insurance, and if they didn't buy health insurance, they would be fined. Yeah, you know the idea about making it affordable made it unaffordable for some people, and a lot of people were upset about that, and. You know, that's where all this rage came up. But the majority of the people who were polled and talked to at these town halls, they wanted the Affordable Care Act repealed. This wasn't just a a pet project for the Republicans. It was something that they were hearing from their town halls. Now, you can always make the argument that the only people that go to these town halls are the people who are upset with things. Yeah, that no one goes to the town hall and say, "Hey, great job, buddy." <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's we have, and this this kind of goes back to something that I've I've been thinking about these past few months is that we need to just get rid of a a party system altogether. We we can't. I mean, our country is already divided as it is economically, socially. Why are we going to add an R or a D behind someone's name? And divide us even more. Let them just run on principles and not any party. I mean, you want to talk about corporations that control our government? Well, it's called the GOP and the DNC. Those are the two biggest corporations that control our government. Yeah. And I think if we actively, and I, I mean this sincerely, if we actively work together as a community, 
we can become a stronger America. Now, does it take people like, you know, this Antifa movement and all these social justice warriors to realize that all these things that are quote unquote offending them really aren't offensive and they're just being crybabies? Yes. But does it also take people who are, I guess, anti Antifa and anti snowflake to realize that Okay, they may be offended over every single thing, but there are some legitimate concerns that they have. You know, the whole thing about, <clears throat> you know, we should not allow people to speak opposite opinions of what we have because it's, we feel it's hate speech. Okay, well, it's not necessarily hate speech, but it is a different opinion. Should we monitor what they're saying and, but keep it in context with the overall message? Absolutely. We can't just take, little snippets here and there and claim someone's a racist because or someone's a homophobe because they make a, a bad joke or they tell a a negative story we as america just as much as we are people we are more than just five seconds of our time we have to live our entire lives trying to be better and i think we can't do that if we're constantly trying to find the worst in people Okay. I like it. I like the idea. Now, this country, in terms of trying to get away from a two-party system, I think it's it's too far gone. Something drastic has to happen because the talons are deeply <coughs> dug in. Trump, really? I, I think that, that's the perfect so you, example. So you, you're, you're into like, okay, the entire things. There's a, there's a uh, termite problem. Let's burn down the house. Well, it's kind of like there's a termite problem. Let's bring in an anteater. Now we have an anteater problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's – I think it's a ham eater, not an anteater. Uh, I saw this article floating around like Trump doesn't believe in exercise because he believes that the human body is like a battery and you only have a finite amount of energy and then you die. I was like, okay, well. I think Woody Harrelson believes that too. Does he? I, I remember reading something about that. Really? Yeah, that's why he doesn't like – he's very – uh, picky about when he has sex and stuff like that because really he doesn't want to spend his energy and oh, okay so he has to like 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 meeked out it's just I, I we talked about this Joe Rogan flat Earth thing with, with and it's just like there's we're so free in this country it's great and it's it's awful too because you know what like we're so free we're able to believe in stupid crap <laughs> <laughs> and we're able to elect Trump hey man. Um, I think we're going to land this plane, but thanks for coming, man. I really appreciate it. No worries, man. Thank you for having Um, me. Yeah, And uh, dude, come on in anytime. I like having that other perspective. And this podcast was a forum. I wanted it to be a forum to hear differing opinions. And it's really great to have you uh, sit down in front of me, make eye contact rather than just right behind my my iPhone. So (laughs) goddamn Mike posted something else again. Well, you know, it really all depends on your listeners. If they want to have... You know, people that come in to actually share some different opinions and maybe get controversial, you know, let them know. Let us know. Yeah, yeah let us know. Uh, tweet me. Uh, follow us on the Facebook page. Uh, get in contact. I'll make sure that I write you back. Uh, let us know how you like this episode. All right. Thanks a lot for listening and take care of yourselves. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>